Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. I'm excited to continue with the January Money and Success mini series. This episode is the last of four conversations that I had with amazing women about some of today's most important topics. All month, I have been introducing you to inspiring women about money and success. So if you've missed any of these episodes, I invite you to go back and check them out. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to Eileen Joy. She is a money coach who shows moms how to create wealth without sacrifice so they can stop living paycheck to paycheck, all while creating a healthy relationship with money. She's a divorced single mom who went from bankrupt and broke to now being debt-free with a fully funded emergency fund and is on track to retire early. In this episode, we talk about our own money stories and how everything we learned about money when we were growing up was from our parents, who learned from their parents, who learned from their parents. By changing the way we do things, we can break those patterns for our kids and for generations to come. Something else that Eileen talks about is how to talk to our kids about money at different ages. So we talk about some things that parents can do when their kids are really young, and then during those preteen years, and then when they are teenagers. It's really helpful information, and I can't wait to implement some of her tips. So without further ado, let's dive in and welcome Eileen to the show. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me today. You are so welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. The first thing I like to do with my guests is have you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I will choose a random question from whichever book you choose. Let's do blue. All right. How do you adapt with plans you've made that get canceled or changed? Oh, I throw a fit and I hide in my closet. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am a recovering perfectionist, so I feel this question deeply. (laughs) I really do. I used to go crazy and get very upset and, you know, depending upon what it is. Now I just go with the flow. Now I'm just like, whatever, you know, plus being a mom, like that changes the way you think about life too. Oh my gosh, because your time is no longer yours. (laughs) Exactly. And just like, whatever, like things just throw, like... Life has been happening to me in the last few months. It's been insane. And like, I'm just like, what is next universe? You know, I'm just like, whatever. Like, now I'm just like, take it as it comes. <laughs> well, I love that perspective. And I am also a recovering per- perfectionist. So I totally understand. And yeah, it used to be, you know, it's, it's a control thing, right? You want mm-hmm. you want to have everything go exactly the way you want it to go. And when it doesn't, it's sort of, a little bit hard to learn to release that and surrender to whatever may be. So I love that. All right. I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about what was Eileen like as a child? What was your personality like? And what did you do for fun? Oh, wow. Okay. When I was a child, I actually lived in a really terrible environment. My mom was a narcissist and had to control everything. And there, how that's how I became the perfectionist because everything had to be perfect. And uh, my parents fought all the time. 
there was so much yelling in the house. My sister ran away from home and I didn't talk to her for over 20 years. And I was a very sad, sad, sad child who giggled all the time because my giggle was me hiding my sadness. And I was always this bubbly, happy person on the outside and this person who is miserable and dying on the inside. Mm, but you thank- didn't expect to hear that. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that with us. I yeah. think it makes you so relatable. You know, I think that a lot of people think, you know, that they're supposed to have this bright and shiny childhood. And so many people do not. And I just, I always like to start with that question because I think that it brings a sense of relatability to my listeners, who they are hearing. And as we get older, we start to look back at our childhood and we understand why we are the way we are. And things like you said, like the perfectionist, it can go back to when you were a child for sure. So thank you so much for sharing that. Do you remember, did you have something when you were a kid that you wanted to be when you grew up? My mom didn't let me dream. Oh, so I would say like when I was really little, I wanted to be a teacher. I actually went to school for education, my degrees in education. And that was the only thing that I really wanted because I thought it was fun. And I would play by myself and I would do like, I would set up a school with my like little teddy bears. And And, like, (laughs) I was always banished to my room. Like my mom, it's really funny because my mom was a teacher and she was an art teacher. She was a fabulous art teacher, but she was also the teacher that all of the kids were afraid of. She had a police whistle that she would blow all the time. She would send the ki- yeah. <laughs> she would send the kids to the principal's office. She was constantly yelling at them, just like she did at home. And she would come home every day, and she'd walk in the door, and she would tell my sister and I, "I've been around kids all day. I don't want to be around you. Go to your room. I'll let you know when dinner's ready." Hmm. So we would always be banished to our rooms, and I would be in there playing by myself. So that's why it was me and my teddy bears, <laughs> yeah. me and my teddy bears, and my books, and that that. That was it, really. Yeah. I loved playing school when I was a kid, too. And I, you know, I think sometimes I roped my older brother into playing with me. But (laughs) mostly, you know, it was my Barbies and my my stuffed animals that were the students and I got to be the teacher. (laughs) So now you are a money coach for women. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear a little bit about your journey and how you got there. My journey is crazy. But I will give you the cliff notes version. <laughs> we'll be here for hours and tell you everything. It ultimately happened because of my divorce. And it was insane. So at the end of my divorce, I had received an envelope from my attorney's office. And in the envelope was a check for $347. And that was all the money that I had left in the world because they seized everything of mine. Because in the middle of my divorce, I ran out of money. And they told me they would stop services and they were harassing me for money. And I and I told them up front, this is how much I have. Is this going to be a problem? And they said, oh, no, 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 you're fine. No, it wasn't fine. So to be able to finish my divorce, I had to sell my house to pay for my divorce. They They took the proceeds from the sale of my home. And then I also had to get a new job. I had a great job. But at, the, at that time, I was working with my sister-in-law. And she was making my life miserable in the office. And I had to leave. It was just a really bad environment. So thankfully, the universe helped me find an even better job. That was amazing. And then during all of this, my son and I got into a really bad car accident. And my car was totaled. We both ended up in the hospital. 
And then I had to get a new car. And all of this was happening at the tail end of a bankruptcy. And so then at the end of the day, at the end of my divorce, I get this envelope. And that was my moment where I just kind of crawled into the fetal position and started crying. And I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, now I'm a single mom with a five-year-old going, what am I going to do? You know, and I've never been the type of person to stay stuck for very long. I've very, always been very persistent and just always pick myself back up and keep going, you know, keep moving forward. So I didn't stay stuck for very long. I had my moment, you know, I cried a lot. And through the help of therapy and coaches and everything, like I, it really helped me to push through and getting support and all of that. And then once I was able to move forward, I realized that my money was an issue because there was always seeming to be more month at the end of the money. And I was always just running out of money and I started using my credit cards again. And I didn't want to do that because I was like, I, I vowed to myself, I'm not going to use, you know, and whatever. And so I ended up back in a little bit of debt and all this stuff. And then I had a meeting with my financial advisor, who was a friend of mine. Like we had sleepovers and we went out to, you know, dinners and girls trips and all these things. And I really trusted her and I had given her some money to invest for me. And I had my 401k that I rolled over from that job and money that my grandma left me when she passed away and other past jobs, you know, forwarded, forwarded, forwarded money I gave to her and I trusted her with it. Every year we would have a meeting. And at that meeting, she was always saying the market was so great and blah, blah, blah. And I would always look at my money and say, well, why is my money not growing? I really don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me if the market was so great. Still to this day, I do not know if she was lying to me or telling me the truth because I didn't understand what she was saying to me. I don't know if she was just making up some canned response and dancing around the issue or what. I just don't know. I don't even remember what she said, you know? So it was that day that I said to myself, I need to make a change. I need to learn this. I feel stupid. I feel embarrassed, you know? Like, I don't know what's going on. And I need to figure this out. So I just went on a mission for myself and my son to just really take care of us. I just dove into money. And I ended up reading over 300 books. I hired people to help me. I asked a thousand questions. I went to Google University, which immediately I X'd out of because that was stupid. And then I listened to podcasts and all different things. And many of the podcasts that I listened to were way over my head. And I didn't understand what they were even talking about. So I just went back to the books and asking questions and just really figuring it out and just figuring out what I needed for me, you know, and simplifying it so that because money like is such a big topic and it's such a taboo topic and we don't learn about money in school and our kids aren't learning about money in school. And so during all of my research, I was realizing that it really comes back to your money mindset and the way you feel about money and the way you treat money and the how you learned about money is how you're living now. Like your money is a direct reflection of your life now. And most people are ignoring their money, which is what I was doing. You know, everyone does it. I learned that we have to stop ignoring our money and really embrace everything and embrace our money mindset because you can learn everything that there is to know about money, but if you're afraid of it, you're not going to do anything. If you don't get into these new little habits of actually doing things with your money, you're not going to do anything, you know? 
And there's, there's so many programs out there that just teach you the strategy, but not actually how to implement it into your life. And that's what I do. And so while I was learning about money, I was able to simplify it in such a way that it became so easy for me that it was like, boom, boom, boom. I got it done. Got it. You know, it was just so easy that I, it was amazing. I became debt-free so fast. I had a fully funded emergency fund. My credit score went from in the 600s to the 800s. That new car that I had to buy, I got a six-year car loan on it because I wanted to stretch those payments out and make them as small as I possibly could. I was able to pay that car off in three years. And now I'm on track to retire early. Then my friends started asking me, Eileen, how did you do this? This is amazing. I want to know too. So then I started helping my friends. And then I also, along the way, was teaching my son. And now my son is 10 and he knows more about money than most adults. It was funny too, because just this past weekend, we were at the park with one of his friends and um, his mom and his dad and his sister. And we were all sitting, having a picnic. It was such a gorgeous day. We were all having the picnic. We're just talking. And then I don't even remember how it came up, but my son started talking to his friend about what the difference is between a bear market and a bull market and why he should be investing. (laughs) And then his mom was like, oh my God, your son's amazing. (laughs) He knows more than I do. I don't know what the difference is. (laughs) Right? It It was amazing. But- You know, so along the way, I realized, you know, I didn't learn about money in school. Neither is my son. I need to teach him about money now so that he could be set for life. And now he is like he is now set up for life. He is going to be a multimillionaire by the time he's my age. He will have opportunity and choice and time freedom and all of these things. So he can choose if he wants to work. He can choose if he wants to volunteer or travel the world. He will not have to worry about having a soul-sucking cubicle job somewhere where he's like, there has to be a better way, the soul-sucking job, you know, and all these things. Like everyone feels right now, you know, there, there has to be a better way. But you know what there is? There is. And it starts with paying attention to your money. Amazing. That story. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. <laughs> Where do answers. I want to start? There was <laughs> so much good stuff in there. Thank you for sharing all of that. So for women who maybe don't have the time to read 300 books, what I read the book, so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what are some of the ways that women can get better educated for themselves so that they then can teach their children? Well, that's part of what I do is really learning for yourself first and getting your own financial house in order, basically, and cleaning up your own money mess and really understanding money yourself so that you can feel more comfortable with talking about money. And the first step just with kids really, and really just being in the house with other people, whether if if you're single, if you have kids, whatever, or if you're, you know, married, have a partner, dating someone, whatever, just in the house, just normalize money. And that's what I did with my son. I just want him to have a healthy relationship with money because I needed to have a healthy relationship with money. You know, and it all goes back to your money story. Your money story begins the basically the day you're born. So when you're born, between the ages of zero to seven is when we're conditioned, is when we learn. That's how our patterns start and how we operate for the rest of our lives, right? So everything that we're taking in, money or not, We're learning, whether it's being directly taught to us or we're just seeing it in our environment. And then that gets stuck in our subconscious. 
And then that's how we operate for the rest of our lives. Unless we have an aha moment and we say, oh, something needs to change. I need to change that thing. You know, I've been doing it this way my whole life. And now I realize that I need to make a change. And otherwise you're just learning, 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 learning. Even adults now too, like you're still taking in everything and you're just following because of that. So many people are just miserable. You know, everyone's working a job they hate or, you know, just in a relationship they want to get out of and feel stuck. Like everyone just feels stuck because of that funny thing, the comfort zone, you know, it keeps you stuck, even though you feel terrible and you want out so bad, you keep yourself there because you're afraid of the what if. And usually the what if is way better than being stuck. You know, like anything is way better than being stuck. Knowing where your money story originates is so important. And that is really step one for me. Like when I work with my, with the women that I work with, we start there because in my house, like I was saying, there was so much fighting and it was all because of money. My mom was a spender. My dad had a gambling addiction. They both had great jobs, but the money was always gone. They were spending it both in very different ways, but it was always gone and they were always fighting about it. And they were never communicating about how they wanted to spend their money and blah, blah, blah. So my dad would just go out and do his thing, my mom her thing. And then at the end of the day, there was nothing but fighting. So my sister and I grew up learning that there's never enough money. No matter how much money you make, there's just never enough. Money is bad. Money causes fights. Money is just bad, 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 you know. And so then I became a spender. I don't like gambling, um, just seeing what happened with my dad. So he would drag me to casinos. He would drag me to the horse racing track when I was five. It was awful. Just like with the men screaming and the smoke and the beer smell. I could still smell it. It's just, (laughs) you know, but I grew up a spender, you know, because that's how I lived. And so when you go back to your money story, you can see how you learned about money because we learn about it from our parents. Our parents learn about it from their parents. Their parents learn about it from their parents. Their parents learn about it from their parents. And then it's just this whole generational thing of all of these money stories now fast forwarded to now. So you're born into these money stories from thousands of years of generations fast forwarded that just keep moving forward. So I've made it my mission to stop those generational patterns. It all stops with us. It stops with us so we can rewrite that money story for ourselves and our kids and now rewrite it completely and have our kids now be set for life. And now it'll be a transformation for generations to come and just being aware. And then you can also figure from your money story, you can see what are your money fears? Because that's where all your money fears come from. And I still remember there was one day my son and I were talking. We always talk about money all the time. We talk about it like it's the weather, like it's hot out. Let's talk about your money. Come look at my paycheck. You know, like all these things, like it's no big deal. And so one day he said to me, mommy, people who are rich are mean and greedy, right? He said, I don't want to be rich because I'm a really nice and kind person and I don't want to turn out to be like that. And I looked at him and I said, where did you hear that? I've never said that. Like I am very hyper aware of the things that come out of my mouth. He told me, mommy. I heard it on a cartoon. So you see, it's everywhere. It's in our environment. The person that wrote that cartoon, their money story came out into the cartoon character. So it's just everywhere. And if you're not aware of it, you're just taking it in and and it just sinks in you and you just live that way. So just really getting into your own money story and thinking about 
well, how did I grow up with money? Like, what was the money situation in my house? And what did I learn from that? And am I afraid of money or am I not afraid of money? And how do I feel about it? And that's really where you start. And then the awareness piece, it begins with actually looking at your money, actually looking at it because most people just don't. Money has become air. I talk about this all the time because only 10% of the world actually uses cash and most of it is digital. And then with COVID, people started using cash less and less and less and less because of the germs and everything. So it just kind of stuck. And now everything is so digitized that all we use is our credit cards. We use our phones, add to cart, you know, all these things, even our paychecks, everything is air. You know, we don't actually get a physical check anymore. Most of the time, you know, we don't get actual cash. Everything is just air. Like it's payday and it just appears in your bank account or you have a client and the money comes in through PayPal or wherever, and it's just in your bank account. And, and it's just stuff that people just aren't paying attention to. One of the lessons that I learned from my dad was, it was so interesting because, you know, we learned so much from our parents, the good and the bad, right? So even though he had the gambling addiction, he had such an entrepreneurial spirit. And so while he was working, he started a business and he worked out of the basement of the house and turned it into a multi-million dollar corporation because he never managed his money properly. He turned it and it just ran into the ground basically because he didn't know how to manage the money. And he was constantly borrowing money and getting loans and this. And then when it all dried up, when no one would give him anything anymore, that's when that happened. And he just kept taking, 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 taking and not knowing how to manage it. So one of the lessons that I learned when I started a business was to make sure that not only do I have my personal finances in order, I need to understand how to run a business, first of all, and then also how do I run the finances for my business? Because it's a very different thing. It's very different. So if you don't know how to manage your personal finances, you will run your business into the ground because how can you? So just the awareness piece is where it begins. Just look at your money, open your app, open your bank account, look at what's coming in, what's going out. Look at your credit card statements. Like, don't just look and see what, what's the, like, what's the bill? What's the minimum? You know, you have to know how much interest you're paying, you know, look and actually look at the charges. There's so much cyber crime going on right now. People's identities are getting stolen. Um, I have everything on lockdown and I still get fraudulent charges on my cards and I have no idea. They just get the information. So if you're not paying attention, you don't catch those fraudulent charges and you're paying on these charges that aren't even yours. I got one a couple of months ago for $1,500. Someone charged something on my credit card because I have like, I found it immediately. Immediately. I knew about it and I called my credit card company and they immediately shut my card down. You know, but if I wasn't paying attention, I would have just been like, huh, I wonder why my bill's so high this month. You know, maybe that's a lot of interest. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. I'll just pay it. That's what most people are doing. They're just ignoring everything because it's air. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That's all so good. And yeah, I mean, even I'm guilty of being one of those people. I just pay and I don't really look at it. And yesterday, actually, I was looking, I still have cable. I'm one of those weird people that has cable, but I have cable and my internet are on the same bill. And I just noticed yesterday I'm paying $80 for internet every month. And I was like, well, I had no idea I was paying that much every month. 
So it's just stopping and taking five minutes to look at what are you actually paying for, you know, is huge. And I love what you said about we've learned everything from our parents. You know, I remember growing up and we weren't allowed to talk about money with my mom. You know, I remember asking her once, how much did she make? And I was like, you do not ask people that. That is rude. People don't talk about how much they make. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, okay. You know, I don't remember how old I was, but old enough to remember it. It wasn't until the last couple of years, I tell my kids, I tell my kids how much things cost. I tell them how much I make. I tell them how much I charge for a coaching session, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm like, why shouldn't I talk to them about this? So I would love for you to give a little advice on how can we talk to our kids about money, how to save it, how to spend it in a responsible way, you know, and some kids, you know, like my oldest kid, she is to the point where she can go get a job. She doesn't have one yet, but she can. So that's a different conversation than like my younger one who gets some money from chores, you know, but doesn't have necessarily a steady income. And then, you know, there's probably even another conversation for those younger kids that, you know, this is all brand new. Like you said, at five years old, you started talking to your kid about money. So at the different age levels, like what do those conversations look like? This is a huge question and I could talk for like four hours about it. So I will try to keep it brief, but pick out the high points. But with little kids, I'll start with little kids. So little kids, what I did with my son was I just started talking about it all the time. Like this is money. Cause in school, the only thing they do with money is math. Like this is a quarter and it's worth 25 cents. And that's all they learn about money. And that's it. You know, and schools teach people how to become an employee and that's it as well. So part of money is also thinking a different way about your life. It's not just the money. So I talked to him about not only the money, but how we get money. Like, where does money come from? You know, it just doesn't, because like that magic ATM machine that you just put a card in, right? It's air, right? You put a card in and magically money just comes out, right? So that's a huge conversation to have too, is where do you, where does the money, how does the money get in that machine, (laughs) you know? And like, and the card and like where, that's just a whole other way of talking about money too. And letting kids understand that you can go get a job. You can open up a lemonade stand. You can go reek leaves, you know, for money and all these different things. And you can open up a corporation or all different types of things to get the money to be able to spend it to buy food, you know, and all these things, right? Because we'll be in the supermarket and, you know, that that's another thing too with little kids is the supermarket is the easiest place to teach about money and it's more fun for them. And I, I, I thought about this because, when I was in the supermarket and I was just watching the other moms, you know, and I only have one kid. So it's a little easier to handle the one kid in the store. But the other moms that have two or more, and you know, stop hitting your brother, get don't put that in the cart, you know, and like all the stuff, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I would do. I was thinking of different things of ways to combat that. It's give the kid a job, give them something to do while they're in the store, instead of them wandering around all over the place, you know, causing havoc, you know, (laughs) give them something to do. My son loves math. So I said, okay, well, he loves math. I'm going to give him the math because I want to give him something he actually would want to do and not be like, oh, mom, I don't want to do that. You know, (laughs) So um, I tell him what our budget is for that week. And I said, this is how much money we're going to spend today on food. 
And so here's the calculator. Here's my list. And I have everything on an app. I have two apps. I have an app for, not even, well, I have the app for my calculator and then the app for my shopping list. So I have him in charge of that. And it makes it more fun for him. Go, oh, I want to, you know, touch the thing. So it goes ding, you know? <laughs> and, you know, so when they're little, it's more fun. As they get older, the jobs will change, you know? But um, when they're smaller, you can have them do the calculator. You can say, okay, here's the item. Look at the shelf. How much is it? Let's put it in the calculator. And you just keep adding it throughout. So you can see how close you are to your budget for that week. And then also my son, he loves math and he can do it in his head. He's like a freaking genius. He weighs the produce and then figures out in his head how much it costs and then puts it in the calculator. And then I also, as he was getting older, I started teaching him more about unit price and how unit price works, like price per pound, price per ounce, and how you can compare brands and make sure that everything works. And all the, And there's just so many things to teach them just in general about money in the supermarket. Also in the supermarket, there's so much with the supermarket, but also going to self-checkout. And because now we're always going to the same stores and we and now we've basically memorized the prices. And now with inflation, we see, oh, that went up a few cents. Oh, that went up a dollar. Oh, that went, you know, and we're like, and we know when we go to the register, we go to the self-checkout and lots of mistakes in the register. There are prices that do not match what's on the shelf. And they're usually more. So we're constantly calling the girl over, hey, can you fix this? You know, and then she has to look at it. And I started taking pictures. Like it was, it happened so much. It's crazy. No one cares. Like no one cares. Just, just simply just paying attention, really. Like here's a stupid example. There was a sale on chicken, right? So it was supposed to be $3.49 a pound. I went over to the chicken. Not one of them were $3.49 a pound. One was $6.49 a pound, one was $5.49 a pound, and then I found one for $2.99 a pound. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to take the $2.99 a pound because, you know, hello, yay me, I paid attention, right? And nothing was the what the sign said. And for all this, and they were all the same thing, all chicken breasts, all this, I was double checking to make sure it wasn't something, mis- whatever. There's always mistakes in the store. So just like pay attention while you're shopping instead of just grabbing and going. Cause I like to power shop. I don't like being in the store. I want to get in and get out, but I still pay attention. You know, it's, it's an easy, quick look, you know, giving the kids a job and then um, showing them your paycheck is a really great thing. Showing them your bank account, getting them involved when you're paying the bills, show them how much it costs to run the house. I'll tell my son all the time, don't leave the light on when you're not in the room. You know, the electric bill's up this month, you know, thank you. (laughs) And I'll show him and like, and he knows how much the bills are because I show him. And it's just the awareness and just normalizing it. And just anything, anytime that a money topic comes up, just start talking about it. Just talk about it. Money's so taboo and and we're taught to, shh, it's not polite to talk about money. You know, like I was taught that too. You know, we, we go through life saying we're at our jobs or we're with other people that have businesses and no one ever says, hey, how much are you bringing in? Those conversations never happen. You're out with your friends on a girl's night or whatever, or even out with other moms on a play dates and no one talks about money. No one. So I talk about it with everyone. I just bring it up. I just start talking about it. And then I, my son, because he's so used to talking about it, he thinks it's weird that people don't talk about it. And then also books and board games. Those are great at any age. There's a ton of books. Even if you just go to Amazon or the library, I highly recommend the library first because I always say, why should you spend money when you don't have to, right? So, 
oh, Groupon, like all these different things. There's so many apps out there where you can get the same thing for less. Why pay full price if you don't, you know, whatever. So I teach my son that too. Go to Amazon and just search money books for kids. And they, there are so many, not all of them are great, but there are so many. There's books for little kids. There's books for all ages and then books for teens. And then there's even books written for people that are like just graduating high school, going into college. Like there's, they're written at all different levels. There's even audio books now. Like if people don't want to sit and read or if you're too busy and you want, you're going for a walk or driving or whatever, there's really no excuse. It's just the, the, everyone's excuse is I don't have time or it's too hard. Well, you know what? You do and it's not. <laughs> and every single person that I've ever worked with, every single one has said to me, I can't believe I ever thought this was hard because I've simplified it. I teach the moms and the women. I work with people that are not moms too. People say, hey, I'm not a mom. Can I work with you? Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, But people I work with, I've, I teach them like I teach my son. You know, I just normalize the talk of money. Communicating is like the hardest part because we're so taught not to. And that's one of the reasons why people, you know, try to just ignore the money because we're just taught to really ignore it at the end of the day. And then for older kids, letting them get a job. Also learning how to save your money. Like my son has thousands of dollars saved in cash and investments. And we have savings goals for him. He's saving for his own car. When he turns 18, because he's not allowed to get one before then, he's going to buy his own car. He's investing. He's saving. I teach the four buckets. And this is the easiest thing, right? I dumb it down. <laughs> four buckets. Right? I tell myself all the time, dumb it down. Because everyone says it's too hard, but it's not. If you just think about the four buckets, which are simply saving, investing, giving, and spending. And this is how we allocate our money, right? And it's just really that simple. Every time we go shopping as well, my son brings his wallet. And and this is a thing that I heard all the time when I was growing up. No, you can't have that. We don't have the money. No, no. Or some form of no, right? Mommy, can I have that? No. I never have to say no, ever. And he never asks me. We never have that conversation. Mommy, can I have? Because I've empowered him with his own money. I give him an allowance. I pay him in digital money and cash. And I teach him both. Because it's so important to understand both. Because I tell him about the air and I tell him that, you know, these are your dollars and coins. Uh, when he was very little, I got him a do-it-yourself, make-your-own piggy bank um, from Home Depot. And so he took out the, you know, the, the whole kit comes with everything and he's a hammering it together and he painted it. He still uses it now. So when I give him his allowance, he puts his coins in there because I always make sure I give him both paper and coins every time. Every Thursday's payday and we have a money date every Thursday and we sit down and we go over his money and we make sure we reconcile his money so he knows how much he has in each bucket. And then at the end of every month, we reconcile his investments and and it's just become something that we just do. Like, you know, I don't have to do it. And he has chores, but the chores aren't tied to his allowance. I'm giving him an allowance because I'm, I want him to learn about money. And, you know, every every parent feels differently about this and that's okay. There is no one way or right way to do it. You know, it's it's really up to you. Some people like to do, hey, go wash my car. I'll give you five bucks or 10 bucks, you know, whatever. Or I want you to go, you know, rake the yard and, you know, or give them like jobs to do. And then they get money for jobs. And then some parents do both where they'll give an allowance. Plus, if the kid wants extra money for something or they want to beef up their savings goals, 
they can go do extra jobs, things like that. And so with my son, he were, we started talking about different ways that he can create multiple streams of income of like, well, one of the streams is your allowance from the bank of mom, but how else are you going to get money? Right? So we talk about all the different ways that he could do that at his age with what he has now. And then in the future, how do you want to bring in money? Do you want to get a job? Do you want to start something? Do you want to teach classes? Like he loves to teach and like he wants to be a math tutor and all these things. And he loves art. He teaches his friends art. I'm like, why don't you just teach an art class on Zoom or something, you know, and all these things. And so he's, he's like, the wheels are turning for him of like all these different things that he can do to bring in money before he's allowed, you know, by law to get a job, you know, and then he helps me with, with my business. So he's actually an employee of my business, you know, so he can get paid for There's just so many different ways that you can do it. And then he invests most of that money because right now he has no responsibilities and he really doesn't want anything. So his savings goals are basically right now he's saving for a car and Legos. Like he really doesn't have a lot going on. Yeah. So whenever we go shopping, he brings his wallet. I also found an amazing wallet on Amazon that everything is zippers, right? Because one of the things with kids, when they start to try to take the money out of the wallet, it just starts falling all over the place, right? So to keep it contained, get as many zippers on the wallet as you possibly can. Just a little mom tip. I mean, there's just so many things. And board games, we play board games. Robert Kiyosaki, he wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He also has a children's line. And he teaches kids to get out of the rat race and start their own business and create their own wealth. And he has a whole line of books for kids, board games. We have the, we play the board game all the time. He, my son gets so excited when I go bankrupt because that's how you lose the game. <laughs> so, sometimes I let him win. But it makes the kids really think. Like the, the game makes you think. Like there's challenges and stuff with like different money questions. It's really cool. There's so many other things. Like, I, can, I can keep going, but there, there's just so many things. Oh my gosh. But yeah, when when your when your kids get a job, make sure that they're allocating their money and they're not just wasting it all. Like really teach them how to save, how to spend, how to invest, all the things. Mm. So good. Everything you said is so good. You know, I I love everything you're teaching your son and the multiple streams of income and you know, teaching him to like teach a class on Zoom. And you said he's 10, right? So like that's amazing. And, you know, I'm just thinking about my daughters and ways that they can make money. And, you know, I have very much done the whole, I'll pay you if you do X, Y, Z chore. But I love what you said about, you know, giving them some money as an allowance. And then in addition, they could do chores to get, you know, money on top of that. And it's just a way to have the conversation and start talking about money. I love that so much. I will definitely be implementing that. My oldest daughter two years ago really decided she wanted a gaming computer and those things are so expensive. And so she started saving all this money. She was doing chores. She, every birthday and Christmas, she was asking for money instead of stuff, you know, for she had two years ago, she had her eighth grade graduation. And so she asked for money and I pitched in, I don't know what it was, a couple hundred dollars. So she ended up being able to get it, but it just brings back the importance of saving money to get something you really want. I would love to have a conversation about you used to be a spender. Same with me. How do you shift that mindset from spending, spending, spending 
to saving so that you can then spend on something and not feel guilty about it? This has many layers, but the first thing you want to really do, and do this with your kids too, is talking about the difference between needs and wants, right? So our needs always have to come first and then the wants are for later. And so one of the things that I started doing was doing what I call the 72 hour rule. And if I really wanted something, if I still wanted it in 72 hours, then I would think about it some more and be like, okay, well, do I really need this? You know, and sometimes like even to that, even to this day, my Amazon cart, I don't even know how save for later because I'll add it to the cart and do save for later. And then I totally forget about it, you know, and I think my cart, my save for later cart has like almost a thousand things in it. And I don't even remember what's in it, you know, so you can do things like that for yourself just to kind of give yourself a, a stopping point to be like, okay, do I really need that? Do I really, like, do I really, really need this? You know? <laughs> and it looks like really cool, but you know, but things like that. But I always talk about how the money mindset is this exact same as a weight loss mindset. The reason why I, I talk about this all the time is because I lived both. And I was a very overweight kid. That was another thing. I was a very overweight kid. And I still remember to this day when I went to the doctor for the school physical and he checked the box that said morbidly obese. I never thought of myself that way, you know, until that day. And that was the day that I died inside. I basically dieted my way up to 245 pounds. It was awful. It was just an awful time. And then my mom, you know, being what I told you about her earlier, she would put me on a diet and then sabotage the diet. It was just always this constant battle. And the same thing happened with my sister. Anyway, once I finally got out of that environment and I said, okay, I'm taking control of my life. It's time. It's me now, you know, because <laughs> I, I feel like I've tried every diet out there, right? Until I realized that the word diet, like it's such a trigger word for deprivation, right? And when you think about it with budgeting, right? That word budget, people also trigger deprivation. So diet and budget are both things that when you think about them, that you, you're going to deprive yourself of something. And so once I was able to change my mindset about my weight, it wasn't about being on a diet. It was actually making changes in my whole life. It, it was just because like when you go on a diet, it's to lose some weight to fit into a dress to go to a wedding or something. And then you gain the weight back. You know, and that's why people are just yo-yo dieting. So if you actually change the way you think about food and your life in general, your lifestyle and all these things, and you just make changes, everything changes, right? So once I did that, I lost 130 pounds in 10 months and I've now kept it off for 20 years. I went from a size 22 to a two. When I got pregnant with my son, I gained 70 pounds and then immediately lost it. And it was because of the way that I approach food and my lifestyle and all the things. Cause even while I was, while I was pregnant, I was like, why am I gaining weight? I eat so healthy. I don't understand what the hell, how big is this damn kid? You know, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> and I, and I constantly work out and whatever. And my chiropractor was always like, Eileen, stop planking. You need to give room for the baby. <laughs> when it came to my money, I realized it was so similar you know, because everyone says you need to budget your money. You need to live on less than you may, less than, less than, less than. It's so like, and you just keep thinking of it's going to be this life of deprivation and unhappiness, right? So instead of using that word budget, I don't use that budget with my clients. I use a different phrase instead. 
of you get to tell your money what to do. When I talk to my son about money, I always say, you know, let's, you know, I'll ask him, what does the word budget mean to you? And he's like, I just tell my money what to do. And then he's done. Like, that's it. Like, he doesn't have anything else to say, (laughs) whatever, you know, but you get to tell your money what to do, you know, and that's the empowering part about money is the first part is realizing why you're so messed up about it, you know, and then from there, you need to figure out how much it costs to be you. That's the awareness piece, right? How much does it cost to be you without using your credit cards? Because the credit cards, that's not your money. That's someone else's money that you have to pay back at a very high cost. Screw that. Stop paying the interest. So why don't you start receiving the interest instead? Figure out your money mindset. And then we move on to figuring out how much it costs to be you. And then I teach something that's called values-based spending, where we figure out what's important to you. What's really important to you? And those are the things those are the things we're going to spend money on and we're going to save for. Values-based spending, right? What's important to you? And then you get to tell your money what to do. And you tell your money, well, this is what's important to me. And it makes it so much easier to stop wasting money because now you have a direction. It's the same thing with losing weight. You know, it's you step on the scale, you see it going down. You look at your bank accounts, you see them getting larger and you get excited right? If you step on the scale and you see that you gain a few pounds, you have a bad day, you know, it's like a fat day like, or you, you know, you trying your jeans on and you have to lay on the bed to zip them up. You know, it's like the worst feeling, but when you're in crippling debt, it's like the same thing. It's like laying on the bed with the zipper, you know, it's like, it's an awful feeling instead of saying, I got to budget and deprive myself, you know, empower yourself to really just say, well, what do I want? And what's important to me? And let me tell my money what to do because that's an empowering way to think about money and taking your power back because you've just given it all away. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I I love this conversation so much. <laughs> I think I could talk to you for a whole another four hours or so. That's what I said. I was like, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> this has been amazing. I know you have a podcast. I would love for you to tell my listeners the name of your podcast, where can they find you and how can they work with you? That would be great. So my podcast is called Moms Who Money. You can find it everywhere podcasts are streaming. And the easiest way to find me is through my website, momswhomoney.com. And uh, all my socials, everything, all the links are there. If you want to listen to my podcast, that's also on my website. To work with me, I work one-on-one with my clients. I have all different packages. We just dive right in. You can go right on my website again and book a free consultation. And during our consultation, we just see where you are, where you want to go and how I can help you get there. Amazing. And I will link everything in the show notes for my listeners so that they can find you easily. Before I let you go, I love to ask my guests five rapid fire questions so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And it's not that meaning you don't have to answer quickly. Just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. First one. What is something that makes you laugh? My son. He is the funniest person on the planet. We're always laughing. Love him. He sounds amazing. He is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) He's my best friend. What is your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care? I had so many things just pop into my head. Self-care really is just starts with being grateful It's just starting with being grateful and then also being grateful for yourself. Yeah. We don't give ourselves enough credit, right? We don't. We don't. I learned that in therapy. Love Mm. therapy. Mm. FYI. Yeah. (laughs) Therapy is great. 
for sure. It can be, yeah. It can be, right. It, it can, can also be. not be. Depends upon the therapist. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> it's like finding a hairstylist. Right. Anyway, next question. <laughs> All right. What is something you're excited about right now? Oh, my lunch. I made the most amazing chicken shawarma last night, and I'm going to have some for lunch tonight. Okay. I don't I, know what that is. What oh is it? Oh, my God. It's amazing. I will send you the recipe. Okay. So it's this really easy recipe. You make this, you make your own marinade. You pour it in a Ziploc bag with your chicken breast and let it marinate in the chicken. You throw it in the oven. It's the easiest thing. And it, my son devours it. Chicken shawarma, it's a Mediterranean dish. Mm. It has like all the Mediterranean spices in it. And it's, oh, my mouth is watering right now. I am too. And I don't even know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? Probably resting because I don't rest enough. That would be amazing. Behind a locked door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take a nap for an hour. (laughs) Every day. Probably needs a minute. (laughs) All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? I've been asked this question before and I always answer it differently. (laughs) It is possible to be happy. It is possible to win at life. You are here for a reason. Everyone is here for a purpose and your purpose is to be a bright shining star for yourself, for your son and for others. That's so beautiful. I love it. Eileen, you have made my day. You are such a bright light in this world. Thank you for everything you do. It is so needed in this world for women and moms. And I just, I know that I have had a lot of takeaways just in this last hour. So I know that my listeners are going to love you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Heather. This was amazing. I love what Eileen said about awareness to your money story being the first step in making changes. For so many families, money has been a taboo topic, and I think it's important for us to realize the beliefs that we hold that are no longer serving us. Normalizing conversations about money, especially with our kids, is going to make huge strides in finally shifting the shame that has held women prisoner for so long. Like Eileen said, it starts with just looking at your money. See what's there. Stop ignoring your bank account and open up your app or your statement if you still do it that way and look at it. What's coming in? What's going out? What is your credit score? I think it's great how Eileen simplified allocating our money into four buckets of saving, investing, giving, and spending. The easier a system is to understand, the more likely people will be to change the ways they have been doing things. All of the links to connect with Eileen are in today's show notes, so make sure you check them out if you're interested. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star rating and review. The world needs more conversations that matter, and by leaving a review, you help my podcast get seen by more people. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about.